COVID-19 pandemic has fundamentally shifted the way in which people work. As a result, traditional office jobs may never be the same. Join Anna Wagner, along with our panel of UW experts, for a discussion about how the pandemic changed the workplace and what future leaders and their organisations expect in 2023 and beyond. Welcome to the episode today for Beyond the Halls of Winthrop. Um, so today we're discussing how the pandemic has changed the workplace. Um, so my name's Anna Wagner. Um, I'm UWA alumni, was there for a couple of years. So um, took a bit of a journey with my studies, was back in Perth recently and visited the campus and reminisced my rowing days there as well. But um, following my uh, graduating at UWA, um, took a bit of a journey around um, working in London and Hong Kong, but have landed in Melbourne. Um, so I work as an HR executive at a fund manager um, and really excited to introduce the guests today. So I'll get all the guests to, to introduce themselves. Um, so I'll start with Alex. Um, so hello everyone. Uh, my name is Alex uh, Lukshite and I'm an associate professor here at UWA Business School. Um, so um, I do research on uh, diversity in the workplace and recently I have um, studied a project about the impact of the pandemic on, uh, on a particular work behavior such as presenteeism and how it changed uh, during the pandemic. The spoiler, it hasn't a lot, uh, unfortunately. Uh, and also I'm doing projects, so my recent project is about the flexibility and again how flexibility may change as the result of the pandemic. So, Fantastic, thank you so much Alex and it's so good to hear like having stepped away from university and research just that's the topics that you've been investigating are just going to be so fascinating to people um, and what and I guess with the pandemic almost being ongoing sort of what we can plan for next. Mm -hmm. um, next I'll get Michelle to introduce herself. Hi everyone, uh, I'm Michelle Wong, Executive Director for the Urban Land Institute here in Singapore. Um, we are a global think tank institute uh, with a global mission of shaping the future of the built environment for transformative impact in communities worldwide. It's a bit of a mouthful, but essentially we're here to gather every leader in the real estate ecosystem to build better cities for the good of the people. Um, I studied civil engineering as well as commerce, majoring in management and marketing. Um, the last thing I thought I would end up doing was to be an executive director for a think tank um, in real estate, but here I am. Um, my I haven't been back at campus for the longest time, and I'm, my memory of it is, I think, of the beautiful architecture there. It's a bittersweet memory because I had a very harsh timetable when I was studying there doing the double degree, and I started all my classes Monday to Fridays at 8 a.m. with maths. But the good thing about it was that I got to enjoy the peace and quiet and, you know, really taking the beautiful architecture there. So that's my recollection of EWA. Fantastic, Michelle. And yeah, the double is brutal. So well done. Um, <laughs> and what you're doing now sounds absolutely fascinating. Um, and Paul, we'll get you to introduce yourself as well. Absolutely. Um, my name's Paul Sawyer. I'm a director of Amass Architects. Uh, we, we've, got, we've got a focus on doing projects that are beautiful, functional, soulful and sustainable. I suppose I grew up in Perth. I finished my architectural studies in 2015 and immediately left to work overseas. Uh, overseas. Seven years later, I've been fortunate enough to work on all sorts of typologies in places like Spain, London, Melbourne, um, of projects of all budgets, contexts. But this year has been a big transition period. I've eventually moved back home and started a mass architects with a colleague and friend, and we're currently operating between Melbourne and Perth with projects in both locations. 
I've also been teaching over the last three years, teaching design. Um, so two of those years was at Melbourne University and this year is at UWA. Fantastic. Um, so very global group that we've got today. So um, when we think about the pandemic and lockdowns, it's pretty would have been pretty hard for everyone um, who's on this podcast today and some of the impacts that we've all seen. Um, but I'm going to start just with a question for Alex. Um, so many of us have lived through the, the lockdowns long, short, and they are continuing in some countries as well. Um, what can future leaders and their organisations expect in the remainder of 2023 and, and beyond? Mm. So, yeah, so that's a very good question about um, this is what research is all about, trying to predict uh, what will happen based on the available data, on the available research. So uh, from my research, I think it looks like that the biggest thing that all the leaders, um, all the leaders will have to be aware for 2023 and beyond is this issue of flexibility. So I think that the pandemic showed everyone that flexibility is the key. Flexibility is one of the most, it's not just a perk, it's a, it's a nice thing to have. It's something that you get an addition. I think flexibility, I think the COVID pandemic showed us that flexibility is just essential. Um, and so uh, I think also COVID showed us, the pandemic showed us that some of the uh, assumptions that we thought um, um, are, 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 not, are not changeable. Actually, they are. They can be changed. So, for example, uh, we um, we we heard from the leaders that oh, for certain people, flexibility cannot be uh, implemented because, for example, they're receptionists. They need to work uh, at the front office. They need to greet people. Obviously, there is no way they can work from home. Or, for example, we heard that doctors. How can doctors work from home? How can they uh, provide any medical advice to us working from home? But then the pandemic happened and we all were forced into lockdowns. And then we realized that actually, even if you're a receptionist, you can work from home uh, for the technology. Even if you're a doctor, um, you can still, so we have this telehealth and you can work from home. And these assumptions, um, you know, so they showed us that flexibility is really important. So people realized that it's not just flexibility, uh, what days you want to work from home, but also flexibility in terms of when you start your working day, when you finish your working day, when you work on certain tasks. Okay, well, I am, for example, the morning person. Uh, as a professor, I need to write my papers. I am the most productive in the morning. I have a colleague who is the most productive in the evening. And as a team, we work beautifully together. I'm, I'm working on the paper in the morning, then I send that to him in the evening when my brain is dead and he said, oh, that's the best time for me. And um, if you don't have that flexibility, then basically uh, we should have worked on this paper together at the same time. So I think in 2023, for sure, flexibility is a big thing. And it's, it's the big thing is the, the understanding that flexibility is the integral, is the is central part of the workplace. So flexibility needs to be almost uh, taking for that always needs to be given to everyone because if you have good, um, for example, performance appraisal, right? So if you tell people, if you measure people, okay, it doesn't matter when you come to the office. It doesn't matter when you leave your office. It doesn't matter uh, when you have, whether you work in the office or at home, as long as you achieve your goals, your KPIs, then I think flexibility is the way to go. 
so this is I this is from my research um is it enough or should I go no no that's fantastic Alex and I think it's just something that we um it's become so apparent um as an HR leader as well and, and really fantastic to enable people to really embrace their whole lives so um it's been a really great shift um I'm going to ask both Paul and Michelle what flexibility means to them and, and maybe what you know has been significant in terms of the changes within their businesses um, with, I guess, this sort of rebirth of flexibility or the, well, actually, it's not really a rebirth. It's really just this creation of this new imperative for flexibility. Yeah, so, I mean, that was a pretty um, succinct and beautiful, I suppose, explanation of flexibility in the workplace. So I'm not sure how much additional uh, information I can I can add to that. But in our own context, and I suppose what has resonated with myself and with my colleagues, you know, we, we did we did a full lockdown in in Melbourne, the full extent of the hundred something days, whatever we went through, and then finally coming back into the office and and knowing that you know uh, I suppose there was times where we had to be in and times where we had to had to work from home, given that there was restrictions and capacities, etc. Um, once that was recognised and realised that we could uh, go through the days and 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 I suppose. Uh, do our work efficiently and and successfully, it, and it sort of changed the mentality as as you described, Alex. And I suppose from there we uh well it it was kind of hard to kind of hard to I want to use the word justify to be in the office every day. And I suppose given that that that's the justification that we can still do our work out, it sort of opened up uh, opportunities outside of. Uh, I suppose outside of the actual nine to five context, the nine to five environment to to adopt, I don't know, different activities like the lunchtime walk or the, you know, the second you finish work, you can get straight into your gym clothes and do something or go somewhere. There's, you know, time deficiencies uh, around all of that. So I suppose having that flexibility to work at home or to work in the office and and I suppose taking advantage of that was my my experience I suppose. Fantastic. Thanks Paul. And Michelle? Yeah so I think very similar observations here um, but from the Singapore context I guess um, we I think globally have been recognized to be one of the nations that kind of coped with the pandemic relatively well. Um, we do now over the last two years uh, with all the experience we've had with uh, I, I think relatively short lockdown um, and, and we reopen our economy face by face, uh, responsibly vis-a-vis uh, -vis the, the, the healthcare um, demands. Um, and so as a community, as, a, as an economic community, you know, we have such rich empirical evidence now around community behavior, mindset, solidarity of the government and its efficacy, the weak links in business processes and communications. So this is really valuable um, knowledge that puts us now uh, in a position of strength as leaders to better our resilience. We have a much better sense of our thresholds. We used to say, you know, leaders used to be very flippant, I think, about this, where they say, well, you know, what Paul was saying, you can, as long as you get your work done, it doesn't matter, you know, you can just um, handle your own time, right? But you find that during the pandemic, a lot of leaders who used to say that were actually called out for not being able to practice that. 
So I think now that we've had two years to adapt, to really embrace that mindset, that um, that new leadership style. Um, employees are now having a better uh, or a stronger voice around the whole work from anywhere um, option. We're seeing gender diversity um, much accelerated, I feel, uh, especially in real estate, because during the pandemic, during the, the lockdown, and during the re reopening, we did see a lot of attention paid to mental mental health, the needs of a family, um, and it's both parents, not just one or the other, as well as caring for the elderly, which was very vital here in Singapore, with most of us staying with our parents, right? Um, so we, we are seeing an accelerated adoption of work-life integration practices here in Singapore. We're seeing a lot of emphasis, and I think Paul can, can speak on this, but there's a lot of emphasis now on healthy buildings. You know, be it office, schools, hotels, malls, homes, there's a common demand for that now. So I am I think is I think it's an exciting time actually here in Singapore. We're seeing a lot of innovative thinking because we're now all on the same page in terms of wanting more, wanting better for ourselves. Fantastic. Yeah, no, it's it it is those those sort of changes in what you consider from a, as a leader and sort of that design of the workplace as well is just so critical. Um and I think in, just in terms of one last question, Michelle, just on that theme in terms of like the impact and how workers are now feeling about coming to work in the workplace, be really interested mm -hmm. to hear as a leader sort of how that response has been and how the, how I guess coming to work might be a little bit different, might be more a focus, the focus in work might be different um, or the workplace. So a lot of um, a lot of companies now, especially the bigger ones, uh, have used the last two years as an opportunity and, and they're very foresighted about this, I feel on refurbishing their office space. It's not about just reducing the number of hot desks uh, or you know, um, reconsidering the meeting room size and whatnot, but it's really because they're struggling to find reasons for their staff to come back to the office. And it's also hard for them to justify why they should be back in the office without sounding like you're <laughs> back in the 1980s where you can see someone to believe that he or she is working, right? So what they have now shifted in terms of mindset and behavior and the communication with employees is to respond to what they want, which is, if I must come to the office, there has to be a good reason for it. And the reason I would come to an office is because I want to socialize. I want to learn dynamically, organically from my peers, from leaders. Uh, I want to be able to bond with my colleagues. Um, and for those type of interactions, uh, I will come to the office. But otherwise, I really don't need to sit at a desk unless I cannot work from home because of the family situation, right? So there's a lot of offices now. It's very exciting to see, but a lot of offices have been redesigned. They're looking much more, um, they're looking much more like cafes, bars, even very <laughs> hospitable environments. You know, I was at JLL's uh, head office here in the new building. Um, and what my goodness, the the bar and the cafe they have there, I just want to stay there forever. But <laughs> I just, you know, it's very exciting that more and more of these offices are now redesigning the entire space, their reception area, the the desk area to be more welcoming for social interactions, give people a reason to a, a nicer environment for them to choose to work from. Yeah, fantastic. Michelle, and that sort of um, go to Paul now because I think just from because you you are designing for the future and these future um, workplaces. So Michelle talked about some fantastic examples. I mean, what are mm. some of the design principles that you're thinking about now, and how has that changed since the pandemic? And what's some of the key focuses that are important in your practice? 
Hmm. I suppose in response to the the COVID-19 pandemic and uh, almost how are we going to entice staff or, or, or employees to come back, I suppose just to, to bounce off what Michelle was saying, it's really interesting. I've, I've had the experience, particularly with colleagues, after going through those lockdowns when things did open up entirely, uh, <laughs> And, and, and seeing some of these colleagues that had the full range of responses when it actually came to returning to the workplace. Some people absolutely wanted to come back for the social aspect. Some people didn't want to come back at all for personal reasons or other reasons. It was really a spectrum of, of responses. I suppose, um, and, and, and again, to, to bounce off what Michelle was saying, that traditional nine to five experience is no longer, uh, well, not that it was necessarily a selling point, but what are the employers doing around that traditional nine to five experience to sort of entice their, their employees to come back? Um, in saying that, it's not always going to be successful or not because different people along that spectrum will attribute value to different things in different ways, or at least that's the experience that I've come through. So yes, like there's the there's the obvious principles, you know, designing for community, designing for flexibility, um, encouraging chance encounters throughout the workplace so that people are able to have conversations or meet people that perhaps they wouldn't want to uh, wouldn't want to uh, or wouldn't normally meet. Sorry. Um, it's almost like designing a smaller community, you know, whether the scale is an office or whether the scale is a, an actual community or, or a master plan, I feel like the principles will always be the same. So we would absolutely adopt those, those sorts. Yeah, fantastic. And I think it's sort of something that you've thought about and think about every day, but were you talking through those chance encounters in the office and, and that's the, um, you know, there is a joy in being back and reconnecting. So I'm based in Melbourne as well and spent a lot of time. I actually onboarded into a new company without having met anyone for about six months. So, um, you know, to be able to physically come in and meet people, um, it, it's been fantastic and building those relationships um, through being in the office with them. Um, and just in terms of, I guess, when we think about sort of um, from a workplace perspective, like management and how we, we I guess, best lead our people and um, I'm really keen to hear from Alex around that people leadership and people management side of things. So, the because there is a shift to a virtual platform and and how that's that experience has changed for for leaders and managers, which is it's a tough job at the best of times. But coming through the pan pandemic and where we are now, um, just just how I, I guess what the research is telling us and 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 what you can um, provide to us, Alex. Thanks. Um, so yes, so, thank you, Anna. Yes, so uh, we know that one of the, so there are two tensions. So on the one hand, uh, we know that, okay, the pandemic showed us that flexibility is very important. So it's really, uh, it actually, people can work uh, uh, flexibly, even we call it radical flexibility on the one hand, but then on the other hand, if you have a team and your entire team is working flexibly, meaning that every single person on your team um, has decided uh, when they start their work, when they finish their work, when they, you know, attend, when they do their core tasks, then the, um, the challenge for the managers is how do you make sure that your team is still working? So, for example, if you want, if I want to have a meeting with Michelle, and then Michelle is 
you know, having her flexible uh, work arrangements and she's saying, well, Alex, I can't meet because at this time I'm doing my yoga and then I'm doing my work when I'm done with my yoga. And then I'm trying to talk to Paul and Paul said, well, you know, I'm actually, I have been working on this project all night long. And uh, so now I am, uh, you know, I'm taking rest. So then the challenge is on the one hand, you want to preserve this flexibility so you want to continue trusting people that they do their work at the time that that is convenient to them and to their personal and work-related circumstances. But then on the other hand, it's really a challenge for the leaders. How do you then make sure that people continue working, especially together, when if, if, if especially if it's an interdependent work? And so uh, the research suggests that one way to deal with this complexity, with this uh, new tension, is to maybe have some core days or core hours during which people know, okay, so for example, and again, the, the regularity depends on your workplace. So maybe you can say, okay, every week, um, I don't know, Tuesday, 4 p.m., we're having our catch-ups, our team catch-ups, or every, I don't know, every day. So again, it depends on your work. So maybe every day, 12.30, everyone must be available for at least 30 minutes for, again, for uh, for either catch-ups or for providing updates to each other. So you want to protect, so the research suggests that you don't want to squash flexibility. You still want to preserve flexibility, but you want to create some structure around this flexibility. So having those core hours or core work days is one way to go. Uh, but also to, um, it actually, another thing is to create a culture where everyone, um, um, uh, where everyone um, um, what's, um, kind of understands the importance of flexibility for everyone. So if I really um, appreciate my own flexibility and I would like to preserve it, then I would also appreciate flexibility that Michelle, Anna or Paul has. So, and trying to find a time, so I will not be saying, oh, Michelle, you're having your yoga. Oh, come on, Michelle, yoga. Why are you having yoga during your work hours? Or Paul, why were you working at night? Where? So I will try to say, okay, well, what is the time that, you know, we can we can find uh, our meetings? So it's really kind of this shared understanding that flexibility is a good thing for everyone and trying to uh, insert this structure into that flexibility. Because actually, interesting, there is some recent concept about forced flexibility, which is an ironic uh, term because if it's flexibility, there is no force. It's it's flexible. It means that you have freedom. So forced flexibility. So I'm not sure about that. Yes. Yeah, so that's 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 trying to find structure yeah. in the flexibility. Yeah. Uh, I like that. This sort of we're getting to a point because it was so hard to even talk about flexibility. Now we're talking about forced flexibility. So it's mm. sort of like you know the the conversation is is really evolving. Um, and I'm really keen to just hear, um, you know, some of the flexible habits that people have developed um, that they want to stick to in the long term and what sort of that future of work does look like in um, your workplace and, and in your industry as well. So I might just start with Michelle. Um, mm -hmm. So just in terms of what have you, what do you really want to take in terms of some of those new work practices that you've developed and found, you know, really personally rewarding? Um, and what does it sort of look like in terms of the future for your industry as well? Well, I have two very young kids, so one's seven, one's two. Um, and, and common in Singapore is to have a, a living helper 
to for you know dual income families, right? Which I, I am, but I don't have a helper. So actually, having this work from anywhere um, lifestyle is very helpful for me because I get to be with my kids. I get to wake up at six in the morning, walk my kids to school, you know, say goodbye to them, walk back. So I got my walking minutes in, you know, then I start my day um, without makeup, without having to look professional, but I'm super productive because that time I would have normally spent commuting, right? So I'm doing all my work. If I choose to have lunch, I have my lunch. If not, I'm just having, um, you know, a, a break. Um, I I can choose when to to start preparing dinner, you know, and and um, I and because don't forget my husband is also in the same work style as I am now, um, so he and I are able to to work really together as a partner now, um, rather than tag team, um, and and we are very flexible between him and I on who does what at any single day, you know, it's very spontaneous which I adore. So. One practice that I do hope to keep here on out is um, the productivity that I found in the way I work, which is if I stack up all my physical face-to-face -face meetings uh, on certain days of the week, then I'll do so. It saves on commuting time as well. I just go from meeting to meeting. Um, but I will always reserve at least one day of the week where I am desk-bound and I just clear as much work as I can, you know, um, without looking glamorous <laughs> and professional. I love it. <laughs> love it <laughs> yeah no it is that that sort of that level of productivity you can get to just when you're in it's really um like a place where you feel really comfortable and you can be really focused um it was mm -hmm. a real learning for me um that you know i can i can segment my week and think about what i have to do and where's the best place to do that um and have that flexibility to do it. it's been it's really helpful um, Paul, I'll just get you to talk through some of sort of, I guess, what from your experience, some of the key takeaways and things that you want to keep in your life moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think I should preface my next response with I'm a very social person, so I I value quite highly that interaction, that personal interaction, conversations, probably too much conversation sometimes, but that's okay. But um, I suppose one thing that so. I, I suppose what I'm trying to say is my life almost went back to normal. Like I'm going always into the office now and 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 working in that way. Yes, there's the uh, yes, there's the commute, and I appreciate that there's a time attributed to that commute. But I look at it with a different light. I feel it as I feel like it's actually an opportunity to to a just feel like you're part of a community to get to see the people who are on the same pathways as you. And I've I've, I've quite get value in just being in those spaces not talking and seeing who's around and who's doing what um so it, it's i'm not answering the question specifically but i suppose what i have learned is more of an appreciation for those sorts of moments um and and it, and it means something to me so now uh, like if i'm catching the train or the bus out to where where our office is it's it's my time to a switch off which is there's utility in that as well and just to feel like I am part of that community rather than being as, as it was, I suppose, during the pandemic in my room, detached, removed, not communicating or having the, the virtual communication, which is OK, but I still think in person is better. Um, I suppose, yeah, that's. No, no, that makes complete sense. And, and that's where everyone's got, everyone does get their energy and is driven by different interactions. And I'd say it, it has been a really great thing. Um, I think you see Melbourne coming back to life. There was a real period of time where people, um, 
we're in a habit of, you know, we, we were forced to be at home. There was no choice. And um, then we went through a period of time where there was a choice, but people weren't sure how to navigate that. Um, and I felt particular empathy for a lot of the graduates and, you know, people who were new to the city and hadn't experienced what it was like to be in the CBD and how alive it can be. So it's really been in the last few months that you're seeing it coming back to life and those interactions are happening. Um, and some of those development opportunities um, in the workplace as well, just through, um, you know, those connections and the mentoring that can be established too. So um, it has changed um, and, and I think you can get the best of both is I think the message that we we have. I mean, and Alex, in terms of we talked about the research, but I'm keen for on a personal level as well and sort of in, in university life for students as well, because a lot of students were work, were forced, I guess, to work um, and study from home. Just how you see that evolving as well for you personally and, and student life. Yeah, so um, if uh, to answer this question, so from the university perspective, um, actually, I think the pandemic was um, uh, a good lesson or uh, for both professors and students because before the pandemic we were told almost um, almost uh, we were told that oh you know what face-to-face -face education is over so students wants just uh, it, it's it's all online we're all moving to online students don't want to come to the university and then when the pandemic came and so we were kind of all forced to uh, switch to online education and I think it actually showed us that, no, well, I, we, well, professors know that for sure, that it's always better to be in the classroom. It's always better to, you know, teach uh, students face to face. It's always wonderful. This is one of the um, uh, biggest rewards of our profession is when you talk to students, when you uh, share the ideas with them, when you get this feedback from students. So uh, for us, yes, yeah, so it was just another um, uh, another proof that, no, online education we want that interaction with students but i think that i feel that for students it also was an interesting uh, maybe unexpected um discovery that uh, just being online uh, sitting at home and going through uh, one zoom uh, class lecture to another it's not very uh, maybe that maybe that was interesting for the first week but then when you realize your education becomes just sitting in your home, at your home, and then switching from one Zoom meeting to another, it's actually taxing, it's uh, it's tiring, and it's not as rewarding as being in the classroom with your uh, teacher, with, but also with your classmates. So for us, for me, so I think the, the pandemic maybe told us, okay, well, maybe university education is not going to switch entirely online. So face-to-face -face and coming to campus is still very valuable. And for me personally, and I think I my observations are similar to Michelle. I also have a seven-year-old daughter. And when, although Perth didn't have lots of lockdowns or not as many as uh, Paul, um, Melbourne, uh, but we still, when we had when we had our first lockdown, I remember uh, that okay, I and my husband were working at home and trying to work. So, for example, when I have a class, I say look, I have students, I must do work now. So then it actually gave him insight into the importance, not just the importance that, okay, we really need to share our childcare responsibilities because look, she these are the students and she must teach students now. But also I think that um, uh, 
So for my husband, it was maybe a, 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 he, he could realize the benefits of having a kid because, yes, when I had to teach, then he had our daughter who was sitting next to him, you know, drawing, but all his co-workers saw that, oh, he has daughter. And uh, so there are some non-work responsibilities. And I think that it, it had a beneficial effect for him that he also needs to juggle work and non-work uh, responsibilities. So for me personally, yes, there were some interesting uh, discoveries, um, uh, both from the yeah, professional uh, uh, perspective, but also from the personal uh, perspective. So I can see that Michelle is uh, smiling. Maybe she had a similar experience when, you know, when both men and women try to, sh to do the work and also to take care of kids or elderly parents. So. Yeah, you're right, Alex. I think it, I think it's a big difference. And one of the key difference is when colleagues of male workers realize that men actually have parental responsibilities and are actually open to absorbing those responsibilities. And I think it gives men. Um, uh, I think that is a is a better situation now that they don't have to feel obligated to always attend every meeting. That they're now more comfortable to say, I'm I'm sorry, I can't. I gotta look after my kids. My wife has to blah blah blah, you know. And I think that's why I go back to what I said earlier on. The last two years have really helped accelerate gender diversity um, within at least here in Singapore um, and in the real estate industry here. You know, it is it is so fantastic though, and it is, it is really wonderful to see that sort of um, those opportunities. It's just it's been a shift um, and, that, and an understanding, and we really want to make sure we we don't shift back in those beautiful moments with family um, in whatever respects that is um, can be shared. And I think the other thing, which has been and having such a global community um, on this podcast, so being able to also travel with work and um, sort of have a bit of flexibility to reconnect, because I think the pandemic was such a challenging time um, for people who did have global and interstate families and not being able to see each other. So I think, um, you know, where workplaces are able to offer a little bit of flexibility to allow for that reconnection as, as everything's been opening up, um, I found it sort of really nourished my soul being able to sort of, you know, get over to, you know, even if I was busy um, at work and had deliverables, I could still, you know, go and see family, attend important family events um, and be involved in sort of my broader sort of global and local and national community um, because of that flexibility. So I think um, it's a lot of really great things that we can we can take forward. Um, I'll just pause and I'm going to ask everyone just for sort of, I guess, some closing comments um, from sort of, I guess, the conversation today. Um, and I guess for the people listening, any sort of wisdom you'd like to impart just before we wrap up. So I'll just start with, uh, I'll start with Paul, actually, if that's okay, Paul. You're gonna to have to bear with me here for a second. No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. This is what this is where they can do the. This is going a bit take. off the cuff here. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, no, no. no. And enough. I think, um, and Paul, I think just that because I think you're a bit of an extrovert as well. Mm. So I think it is, um, like I mean, just me listening to you and talking about your experience that reminds me that, you know, we there's no one size fits to all for this, and I think, and professionally, every profession is going to have a different level of interaction and experience that you're going to need. Um, to really be your best and just feel your best and be as productive and, and really and also just be happy in the workplace as well. So I think the stages in the pandemic where I was extremely productive and I was at home, but I probably wasn't as happy as what I can be would have would have been working directly with some colleagues on some pretty challenging tasks and, and time frames. So um, I think that reflection that you had around 
um, you know, what's important to you and where you get energy. Um, it's really important for us to think about it like that way. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It was, um, I think that acknowledgement that everyone does respond differently to different spaces, different scenarios. And, and again, we've been talking about flexibility the whole podcast um, and I suppose having that ability to be flexible, understand other people's needs, requirements, their flexible a sort of scope. It's yeah, super important for moving forward, super important at a mass, super important for I believe what you guys are doing as well. So yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, Paul. Um, Michelle? Um, so earlier on, uh, I mentioned about how there used to be that bosses uh, saying, you know, I really don't care how you get your work done and how you manage your time. You know, we believe in in uh, giving you the autonomy, but you know, they don't really say, they don't really mean it, right? And that was maybe us pre-pandemic. Um, but now, I really do believe that you have a lot more leaders who really subscribe to that mindset where I really don't care how you manage your time, do what you want. Just get your work done and i think we're finally there um so i'm looking forward to actually a, a greater um i think a, a very big shift in the office culture because not just in terms of how physically the office will shape up to be in time to come but really the types of conversations between peers between leaders and young executives uh, have already started reshaping. And I don't think it's a Gen Z or a Gen X. I really do think it's just the nature of how the pandemic has actually made us reflect individually, like what Paul said, um, and be more aware of one another's needs. Um, I think I, I I actually see this pandemic as something that's good for us all. Yeah, fantastic. Yes, so much we've learned. Thank you, Michelle. Um, Alex, some final comments from you? Yeah, so yeah, so we, we talked about flexibility, uh, the importance of flexibility, but I also wanted maybe just to share that another culture shift is, um, so my research on presenteeism, you know, when people come to work, even though they, ha uh, they are sick or not feeling well, and especially with these cold-like symptoms. So um, even, so for example, before the pandemic, there was research about how maybe this presenteeism, when people come to work being sick, maybe it can reflect their commitment to work, uh, their dedication, they don't want to overburden their colleagues. But then after the pandemic, I think, um, again, everyone uh, not just understood the importance of flexibility, but also the importance, and not just the importance of appreciating flexibility for everyone, but also appreciating the, uh, this, the, the health is a very important resource. And so don't come to work if you are sick, right? So just stay at home, uh, take, take care of yourself, um, don't overdo it. So, um, and then come back to work um, if you're still working in the office when you are healthy, because it's not just, uh, it's, it's better, it's not bad for you to continue coming to work in the office, but also it, it can be really dangerous um, for, for others. So I think that uh, the COVID, again, it's another assumption that the pandemic um, broke or challenged uh, is that, um, it, it's yes, flexibility is important, but also uh, that thinking about others a little bit more. So uh, and not bringing, um, let's say, your germs to the office and thinking that this is I'm doing that because, well, I just don't want to overburden others. I think 
it, but but interestingly enough, my research shows that even during the pandemic, presenteeism didn't go away. We still have uh, people coming to the office with, you know, cold-like symptoms. And uh, it's interesting, yeah. And also another question, okay, if you're working from home and if you're sick, then what do you do? Do you take a sick leave or, and what about managers? Will they tell you, well, why do you, you're at home. So, and if you are not contagious and you can, function just continue working okay or do they still encourage you to take care of yourself and to take uh, um, a sick leave and then continue working so that's just another I think another aspect of the um, of work that has been challenged by the pandemic I feel and also yeah no it's such a good point Alex and I think that whole we were talking about um, you know people when they're sick but you know whether they're physically sick with COVID but also you know, mental health is a real focus. Um, and I think that there's a changing nature for managers and, and for HR professionals as well around really that 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 point of care um, and that point of making sure that people are okay so that they've got, you know, if they're, they're, they're taking that time to recover. And we've had a lot of people that have been unwell and making sure they get the space time to recover. And, you know, working in, in industries where you have deliverables to clients, there's, there's had to be empathy on sort of every side to make sure that people understand what, what is critical, how we can cover it and what can be delivered. So I think it's opened up some really great conversations in the business community um, and a lot of like a lot of care, uh, additional care for employees, I hope in most instances. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a really good reflection. So thank you, Alex. Um, so I think we've about hit time, um, but thank you everyone for joining today. That was ex extremely fascinating and it is really good to just get, I think the perspectives around the virtual room are just so incredible. Like we're all incredibly different in different places in different industries, uh, but has some really similar observations. And I think, you know, that being empathetic, listening um, and really um, thinking about everyone at an individual level and what makes them their best. Um, really come through so thank you all hope you enjoyed that episode wherever you are in the world update us so we can update you with all the latest uwa news research stories and events update your details now by visiting alumni.uwa.edu.au update